Hello everyone, my name is Max Kituba and I'd like to welcome you all to another week on the SME Empower podcast where we are empowering entrepreneurs to create a world of impact. And we do this because we believe that your success in business matters, not just for you, but for your community and for the world at large. So we are committed to providing you with valuable insights and information from successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts from around the world so that you can grow your business and your impact. Tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. EAT. Subscribe and join the movement as you take the first step to impact the world through entrepreneurship. We're very excited to have you on and we'd love to see you again and again. Thank you. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SME Empower podcast. I am your host, Max Getuba, and I'd officially like to welcome Hamza Katende, the founder of multiple technology companies in Africa, like Q Africa, which is a business insights and data analytics company, and now Tuzapay, a blockchain-based financial technology company in Africa. So welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you. Uh, thank you, Max, and uh, thanks for having me today, and thanks for the warm introduction. Much appreciated. Oh, yeah. You're welcome, you're welcome. Could you, um, do you mind giving us a little bit of an introduction into Tuzape and the work that you guys do there? Maybe I'll just, before I go into that, I'll give a, a brief background of who I am as Hamza, and maybe go into Tuzape. Yes. Um, yeah, so my name is Hamza Katende. I'm 30 years old. I'm a single dad uh, to an eight-year-old son. I'm Ugandan and currently uh, living in Kigali, moved here about one year ago. And I purposely came to build Tuzape. And what Tuzape is, basically, it's a, it's a blockchain. Um, Tuzape is a blockchain company trying to make uh, easy transfer of digital assets from one wallet to another. And... The inspiration behind Tuzape was mainly because of research that we did and found uh, how difficult it is for African immigrants living and working in the UAE to send money back home. And the modes of money transfer they were currently, they were using at the time. And they are current, and they're, and they're, and ideally they're the same modes of money transfer they're using currently. And yeah, so. We saw it fit for us to build the platform and after talking to them, trying to understand how they were sending money, which was mainly through mobile money. So meaning basically if someone is, is in Saudi Arabia, they'll look for someone that has a Ugandan line. If they want to send money to Uganda, they give them money and then that person can then send money to the person in Uganda. However, some of the challenges that they were facing was one, these people were at a very, sometimes they were very far from where they were meaning someone has to take a train, uh, that is if they're in Dubai, or Qatar, or Saudi Arabia, and find this person. Maybe sometimes this person doesn't have floats, which is the money that they hold on the mobile phone. So there was a lot of inconvenience and time consuming process that they had to go through. Yeah, so built that uh, for about a year, but then, you know, first several, several, several regulatory issues, which are not very new to anyone who is in the fintech space, and some of those could be um, so that like the capital requirement, uh, the, the capital requirements uh, are started by different 
financial institutions in different countries, which is you have to hold a certain amount of money with the central bank just in case you know you run you run out of uh, in, in case you have any say theft or you lose resources, you need that insurance to be able to pay back the people that are transacting with you. And then there was also the float issue. So basically, the, we built the platform, but then for us to be able to transact or even to get the earliest of traction, we needed to have um, money. So we are in the business of we were in the business of money, and we needed money to make it happen, which was very hard because in the start it was it was me bootstrapping. So along the way, um, I hit a wall. Because I was trying to talk to investors, investors asking for traction, which traction needs money for me to actually have the traction. So uh, put it on put it, I put it on hold, I think close to I think it was October last year, and then started doing research around digital banks. And I was like, I was trying to find a pivot for me to uh, trying to have trying to move to something that probably would get me the traction that I need for me to move further. And I thought of building a digital bank. So I made research on, on organizations, companies, startups like Revolut, uh, Monzo, Sterling Bank, Chime. And in there, I realized, I think, as looking at it from the wrong direction, and I realized the regulations for digital banks were way, 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 way more stringent than those of, re of remittance companies. So I kept on thinking. And... Uh, I think before that, I was having a conversation with my son and he told me about, he plays games and he told me, he, he, he told me that imagine there was a game I could play and earn money. And at that point, all I could think about was, all I, that would come to my head was how enterprising, how innovative this young man was. Um, but then in my exploration of digital banks, that's when I started connecting the dots from the digital, the research I'd done from rich digital banks to what my son had said and that's how i stumbled upon research that was saying 90 percent of african immigrants sorry not 90 percent of african adults don't have a 50 dollar emergency fund and i asked myself how i could uh solve this problem from the grassroots because now people don't have these savings not just because they don't work or they don't have jobs or the the earning place yes people don't have jobs but ideally it was more of a uh, more of a habit that they've that they've that they've nurtured over a very long period of time. And again, from research, we found out that we, as adults, we only introduced money in our, in, in our adults in our adulthood. So, like, how do we fix this problem from the grassroots? How do we raise a generation of people? Or if, if you, how do you raise a generation of people who are more financially resilient, more financially sane, with good money habits? And, well, like, let's introduce finance or banking to kids in a fun and engaging way. And that's how the transition from Tupuza Pay moved to Smallies. And when we introduced Smallies, we applied for the Cello, uh, for the Cello Hackathon, Cello Blockchain Hackathon, I think around November. We participated. That's where I met my CTO, and, uh, Ed Jong, who is based in Nigeria. And yeah, I started building, and um, I think out of 1,800 projects, Globally, they picked the top 25 and Smallies was one of them, uh, Smallies Banking for Kids. And yeah, I think we won about $2,200 then. And we then launched our MVP in January this year, around the 14th. So that is what the transition has been uh, from Tuzape to Smallies uh, 
Yeah, and we're still very big on blockchain. I think we are trying to get into the silo camp. We're trying to see how we can incorporate now blockchain technology uh, into smallies. Wow, um, that's quite a story. It's very impressive what you guys did, um, especially just um, by laying out your story. You've uh, essentially just told uh, our audience how important it is to not only do research and understand the problems you're trying to solve, but also have the foresight to pivot into sort of these niches that um, people don't even uh, see as opportunities, but you have seen uh, an opportunity that it seems that a lot of people haven't seen mm. and you have uh, taken advantage of that. And I think that's really commendable. But um, just following up on that, um, Smallies is a banking app that allows kids to save and invest money. Um, and you've um, talked about the a little bit about the state of financial literacy. So how do you think, um, if you can just give us a bit of an introduction of how do we better educate the youth on that? If you could just um, go deeper into that, because you said you want it to be fun, you want it to be engaging, you want to introduce um, financial literacy to kids at an early, uh, an early stage in their lives, but how do we better educate these kids about financial literacy and how do we better educate youth generally? Well, that's a great question, Max. Um, so maybe from the perspective of our vision, to answer that question, for our vision, we are, we aim, our vision is to, um, to groom, not to groom, some atomic grooming is, a, is, is the wrong word to use, to nurture <laughs> or to support or to pioneer um, raising a future generation of financially resilient uh children with good money habits. Consumerism is something that we've, we've, we've nurtured from a very young age that when I get money, the first thing I think about is to spend. But now conversations start with our application and the, the, the movement that we're trying to drive, the conversation that we're trying to drive from a very young age. The parent and child have, start to have conversations around. Now, because on the application, when the child earns the money, they can move the money into four wallets. That's spending, save, investment, and emergency fund. So between the parent and the child, the child would now ask mommy, what, what, is, what is to sell? I mean, when I put money in here, what happens? You know, then the parent will, will, will then answer and say, when you sell, your money grows. Your money moves over a certain period of time, your money will become, will move from like say 100 to 200, whatever mm -hmm. currency. So money is a, is a language, it's a, it's a habit that you nurture. So the, the point is for us to have this conversation go around, people to share, for people to share their experiences around money, how they grew up around money, how they're currently teaching the kids about money. Are they teaching or they're not teaching? So we want now to, 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 to build a journey of the child from the time they're young to teenage, to when they're teenagers, to when they're in the 20s, to when they're 30s, for us to be uh, their lifelong partner when it comes to uh, personal finance or banking or savings. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we're doing our literacy now through uh, our conversations that we're having uh, with the community that we're building through a podcast that we have now, through the webinars that we're going to be doing uh, with different finance experts, with parents, with children. And then also we are introducing a school program. We're introducing a school program that is going to be in, in schools uh, where we are going to leverage the technology that we've built to 
uh, start teaching kids about money. I can't mention about what it's going to be, uh, how, how we've implemented it. However, um, I think we're going to launch it, say, in, uh, in March, end of mm -hmm. March. I think we should have a version two. So in our school program, kids now will start to actively learn about money vis-a-vis -vis what they already have in the application. So, yeah, that, that's how we are trying to, to uh, drive financial literacy around, uh, uh, around Africa. Awesome, awesome. I, th I think you guys have a really large potential to have a huge impact and create a movement around this. And I think you're solving a very fundamental problem. And I like your approach and your insight into how to, um, uh, how to solve the problem. Uh, but I'd like to ask, um, because you did identify this problem and you identified its potential for impact, how did you realize that it was also a good business um, decision to make? Like, how did you realize its potential for business as a business? Ah, that's an amazing question. Um, one, I realized it was a, it was a huge uh, business potential. I think after comparing with other companies that have actually done the same, but in different regions. So I think currently there are about two companies that have one is Go Henry and the other is Greenlight. And I think they are best in the US and, and uh, the UK. So one, how I saw the opportunity was Africa, I think according to the World Bank, I think Africa is, I think the World Bank statistics, I think of 2020 or 2021, I think the World Bank stated that um, Africa is going to have the, one of the biggest populations in the world. And I think it's, they mentioned that it's going to grow, uh, I think 10x or 20x. However, again, the numbers say Africa has the youngest population in the world. So that is where for me, um, I saw that if we can solve a problem uh, for such a huge mass and have this huge mass adopt our solution, uh, we're definitely going to uh, make a huge business case. So I think for us, one was the comparison with the companies that had been successful or um, done what we're trying to do in Africa. But then also in comparison to what they've done, we realize we are the first of the kind to do what someone else did somewhere else. And also the competition landscape is not... Um, People haven't yet, to be honest, I don't know why, but people haven't yet, you know, tapped into the opportunity. But I mean, on Africa, on the African continent, we're going to be, the, we are the first currently. And that's why we try to position ourselves as, um, as a brand that is speaking to a particular audience and for us to be uh, industry pioneers. Um, yeah, so it was comparison with what, with, with what, um, similar companies have done and then also the growth potential with regards to population and the um, and the number of, of kids, of the number of children that the continent has. So it was the comparison of those two. Yeah, so um, another question I'd like to ask is um, you've worked in data analytics before as well, right? Yeah, sure I did. Uh, with Q Africa. So when you started Q Africa, which was a business insights and data analytics company, what problems were you looking to solve and how, how did your company address those problems? 
I think um, at the time, I think that was 2019, uh, the, main, the main goal for us was to uh, kind of, how should I put this, kind of bring different pieces of information that are scattered all over the inter internet closer to whoever needs them. I think that was what we want to go trying to do. And because you realize, I think uh, when it comes to data, I think Africa is one of one of the very few regions that don't really have a good data footprint. That if you wanted to find particular data or information, it's nowhere to be seen. But it doesn't mean the information, the data or information is not there. It's because it's sitting somewhere, but then people haven't uh, probably built uh, pathways or or um, platforms for this for this data or information to be accessible. So for us, our focus was mainly one to make business information and data accessible to whoever wants to start a business in Africa, you know, like you've never been on the continent. And that's also one of the things that uh, so many investors currently, it's one of the issues that we have with investment in Africa is because people don't understand the landscape. They don't understand who's doing what. They don't understand the regulation. They don't understand. Um, it's just that now it's slowly improving. Um, yeah, but that's, that was the, the core of, um, why we started uh, QAfrica was mainly to have um, SMEs, investors, governments that that want access to business data or insights uh, accessible to them. Oh yes, so that's that's really uh, impressive. And um, I just like to follow up on that and ask: How can businesses and SMEs, for instance, um, with fewer resources? leverage data analytics to better understand their customers, make more informed decisions and grow their businesses? I think, I think there are a couple of tools now. Now we have AI tools like ChatGPT that someone can actually use for them to um, probably do uh, some kind of research or to gather data, but then also to, mess, to make very good use of analytic, analytics tools like Google Analytics to make sure they have them incorporated into their platforms for them to be able to get real-time data on, on usage. Uh, and that is something that I think uh, so many organizations maybe don't do very well. So they're in the dark. They don't know what is really happening. And being in the dark, that means your marketing strategies are going to be wrong. You don't know who your customer is. Um, yeah, so I think there are a couple of tools that that that, that people can use Google Analytics, ChatGPT. Um, uh, yeah. That's a really interesting take um, because also in my experience, I've seen that a lot of SME owners consider things like marketing and even data analytics as expenses where I tend to consider them as investments. So um, what's your take on that, uh, especially because now we're also talking about financial literacy for individuals, but in this case, it's also financial literacy for businesses. Uh, I, th I, th I think information is, is something that every business owner should, should have or should aspire to get. I think as a business person, you have, to, you have to seek information, you have to read, you have to be part of conferences, you have to watch news, you have to watch Bloomberg, you have to watch... Uh, you have to read QAfrica, you have... Information is at the core of uh, business decision-making. Yeah, so I, I don't think you can... 
if I don't think you can you can hid or you can run away from it. If you if if you do, then you're doomed. Your success is doomed. Uh, so you would say that uh, information and constantly educating yourself has been uh, a factor in getting to where you are today in terms of definitely. achievements. Definitely, definitely. Every day, every day. And I don't miss a Bloomberg Technology Show every day. Uh, listening maybe podcasts, S16 and Z podcasts, you know? Like, I have to always, always be in the loop, educating myself, you know, how to talk to users, go-to-market strategies, you know, taxation. You know, I, I'm always going for, for like, um, webinars. I'm always going for uh, workshops. It has to be part of you. It has to be part of you. Thank you so much. I think that's a very important thing that a lot of business people um, uh, that I've interacted with, they have they don't have that culture. So I think you're talking about making education and self-education a culture that you constantly uh, involve yourself in in order to succeed. And I think that's very commendable. So as we wind up, um, there's a question that I ask every guest. Um, and that question is, what kind of world do you hope to create through your entrepreneurial endeavors? Like, I think with with my current uh, my current trajectory, my plan, or what I envision is to have more people educated about money, um, to have people um, to have a world where people are very cautious about the decisions they make with money, because I don't know if there's any amount of education or degree that um, that can save you from from bad money habits or not knowing how to use your money. Um, yeah, so that's the world I'm trying to build. Uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I have really enjoyed uh, speaking with you. And I think that um, you and Smallies are definitely in it for a bright future. And I hope to see the world that you hope to create come true. Ah, man. Thanks, Max. I, I really appreciate uh, you know, the invitation to come and share my journey with your listeners. I, um, uh, yeah, and I hope to, to learn more from, from many more that you bring on. I hope you know, I've shared, I've shared some valuable information that someone can carry on to maybe build or maybe change uh, how they see life. And I hope, I hope um, whoever is listening can make it a point to educate their children about money. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining in on the conversation as we continue to share information that empowers entrepreneurs to create a world of impact. Kindly share your insights on any of our social media platforms. We would love to hear from you. And of course, we would love to see you again next week. Thank you and have a good week.